Hey, CVC, greetings from somewhere in Ohio. Uh, we're right outside of Columbus, I think. This week, Jess and I are driving all the way. Here's Jess, say hi. Hi. Uh, there's Grace. We're driving all the way out to Redding, California. We're just starting our journey and we're still traveling by the time you're watching this uh, so that Grace can go to ministry school uh, at the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry in Redding, California which she's excited about. She's eating some blueberries back there. But uh, as you can imagine, uh, I've been doing lots of sitting, just like I'm doing now, and doing a lot of air squats in front of gas pumps as people stare oddly at me. But I think it's fun. It helps me stretch out. But anyway, I want to let you know that for our online service this week, I'm excited to welcome Phil Urena for an online interview that we had on Zoom uh, just a couple days ago. So Phil is not only a good friend that some of you uh, who've been around for a while know, uh, but Phil is, was a vineyard pastor for several decades and now is the director of a ministry he founded in Long Island, New York called Kingdom Convergence, which equips the body of Christ to walk in the fullness of their calling, including the spiritual gifts that we've been studying and putting into practice. So enjoy and I look forward to seeing you when we're back in person. So hello, Phil Uranus. <laughs> Hello, Rich Andrews. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today and for speaking yeah. to uh, Contract and Vineyard. Appreciate you. Well, my privilege, as always. Um, for those who are listening, we've had Phil out several times, um, and I'm ex really excited to have Phil with us today to share a little bit about um, the gift of miracles. So, Phil, uh, our church has been going through a series on the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, we've been focusing primarily on the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. There, mm -hmm. we, we do other gifts as well. And uh, in there is, uh, is that gift, the gifts of uh, miraculous powers in particular. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I've just been really excited over the years that you shared so many different stories, even just recently, of God doing miraculous things. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a miraculous testimony. That's an incomplete miraculous testimony, but in my mind, completely miraculous and supernatural. So I'm doing a conference in Louisiana a few years ago. I think Brian Blount and I were doing this one together, I believe. I think this is a conference we're at together. Robbie was supposed to be with us, he couldn't. So it was just me and Brian. And um, when, when Brian and I do things, we generally don't do, we do like 10% of the ministry. 90% is we're going to grab other people. And you know, especially like I love to go after two things, legs growing and people with metal in their body. Because I've just seen both those things 99% of the time, God does something, you know. So, so legs go, growing, let me just get that straight. So and people who are listening can hear. Say yeah. legs growing and metal plates in people's any body. metal in the body, metal in the body. All right. Metal that has restricted people's movement. Um, cause them pain. Um, I'll tell you another miracle story. That could be a healing story, but to me, it's a miraculous story. But this particular one, we're in this conference in Louisiana. Did I answer your question? Is Jeff any place else you want to go with that? No, you can go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So I look over towards the end of the night, and there's four people praying around this woman. So I just went over to see what's going on. You know, it's the end of the night, and they're she's an amputee. She's she's lost her leg just below the knee. So she's got the knee and a, and a stub that bends, right? So I went over and I said, what are you guys doing? They said, we're praying for her, for her leg to grow. 
I'm thinking, well, this is awesome. So I said, before you go any further, let's get a pen. So we get a pen and I mark the top of the stub, right? Can you see this, right? I mark it right here. Here's the stub, I put pen here. We watched that grow that much. <laughs> That's incredible. We watched the line go backwards and we watched that much new bone, new flesh. And you can see it looked like popcorn under the skin. And she was feeling, she goes, it feels like things are popping under my skin, it's hot. I feel electricity going from there down and out and like all these things were happening. And she grew about an inch and a half to two inches of new bone and new flesh. She, did she grow the whole egg? No, but that's a pretty good story. Yeah. And their faith level from that awesome. was like, you know, they wouldn't have been able to tell had I not said, let's mark it so you can actually see it. Right. Because yeah. if people don't see, it's hard for them to, to take the faith from it. Right. So, so we did that, and I, to me, that was actually pretty remarkable. So I just told him, keep on praying. If you got an inch and a half to two inches after an hour and a half, what would happen if you prayed for every Sunday with the same level of faith? You know, I've, I've heard of this before. So um, I wish I could tell you that they did, and what happened afterwards, I have no clue. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but that was exciting. That's Another miracle that I'd share for your friends, and, and this actually was at Brett Conover's church. I believe you know Brett, right? Yeah. Over in the Shore, Shore Vineyard. Uh, so we had, I had done a conference at his church and we had about eight people who had legs longer than, one leg longer than the other. So I, I asked for, I think, 12 people to come up to help that had never seen a leg grow. And the first one comes right out, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, they all just come right out, bam, bam, bam. Literally, we went one at a time down the down the line. I told the people doing the praying, you know, take their foot in your palm of your hand and pull it out, compare them, see how much shorter it is. Have someone see and confirm that one leg is shorter than the other because you want to do it wise and <clears throat> pull it a little bit. Make sure you can't make it even on your own, like just so that people don't think you're, you know, you're doing something fraudulent. You know, you don't right. you want people to know it's the real deal. So. We have the seven in a row go out literally in probably 15 minutes or less. We get to the last person and one leg's like that much different. So I'm telling the now young I'm looking at it and you can see oh, it, it's like this much different. Okay. So I tell the kid who's going to do the prayer. He's probably 19 or 20 years old. Um, Doe-eyed. His eyes are as big as this, right? But he's, he's excited because he saw the other seven. And the woman says, no, no, no. I don't want my leg that's shorter to grow out. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, she just wants to be taller or something, you know? Awesome. She said, no, I had surgery on my right leg and they put in, they replaced my femur with a metal rod. Oh. And when they did it, it was too long by two inches, Inch, just shy of two inches. And she says, it's been five years. I've been in excruciating pain for five years because it's pulling everything on her back, right? Yeah. So I said, okay, we're going to pray for that to, to shrink, to go in. So I wish I could tell you, this was a God thing because I had like, no doubt it was going to happen. I, you know, I, I'm not going to be, you know, arrogant to say, I never have a doubt. That's just, yeah. there's situations you run into and, you, and that you're human. So you're like, oh Lord, I hope you do something with this. Yeah. You know? sure. 
But um, I just, for whatever reason, I don't have any doubt, but I wasn't doing the praying, this young kid was. So I had him pray that the bone, that the metal would become as bone, that it would shrink to its proper size. Right now in the name of Jesus, and literally in less than a minute, we watched that leg go straight up even. Oh my goodness. The metal, everything shifted, all the pain left. She was walking around completely normal gait. And, and I watched her for about 15 minutes, just catching my eye. And I noticed it looked like she was limping slightly. So I went over to her, I said, did that leg come out again? So she said, yeah, it did. And it came out not a lot, like maybe three quarters of an inch, but enough to throw her gait off. So what you're saying, Phil, is that it shrunk back somehow miraculously, but then it came out a little bit. A little bit. So we prayed again and went right back in again. And I'm watching her maybe another 10, 15 minutes later. It came out just a little bit. Just really little. Yeah. So I sat her down and I said, let's find out why this is coming out. Because it shouldn't be. Long and short of it is, she had unforgiveness no towards no pun She had a lot, yeah. The long, right. No <laughs> pun intended. Well, maybe the pun was Sorry, intended. I had to throw that in there. I'm a grandfather. Grandfather of humor, you know. <laughs> um, so, so at any rate, we prayed for her to deal with some unforgiveness towards her ex-husband and her best friend. I'll, I'll leave the story there. And as soon as she worked through the unforgiveness that was there, she said, I have forgiven him, but she hadn't fully. As soon as she forgave him and let go of the bitter root, the leg went right back up and didn't even have to pray for it. And that was it. She was fine ever since. Wow. Wow. And it was that immediate, as soon as she forgave. As soon as she, as soon as she worked through the full forgiveness, she wept from the loss. That was semi-resolved, but not fully. The healing went right in. It went right up. So, um, that is incredible. You know, to me, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. You know, metal doesn't shrink. And we see that all the time, Rich. We see people with metal get all crazy stuff. So you see the metal change or shift shape or what is it that you... Well, we've seen where screws disappear, okay. where you can feel the screw. Like, like a couple of people who had screws in their ankles mm -hmm. and a plate, and you could feel the screw and the, the outline of the plate on the outside of the ankle where there's not a lot of flesh. And when, when it was gone, it just was, it was gone. The screws, you couldn't feel the screws anymore. And that she and, and they walked perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. We had a guy that had a hip replacement mm -hmm. that, um, so these are these healings or are these miracles, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's, it's like, where do you delineate this stuff? To me, they're miraculous healings because, you know, if, if someone has cancer mm -hmm. and they get healed, it's a physical issue that's limited to the, the physicality of a body. You know, it's a foreign entity and a foreign thing in it. So it's totally healing. But when metal is in a body, yeah. and metal does things it shouldn't do in a body, to me, that's a miracle. Yeah. Right? So this guy has a hip replacement. 45-ish. Um, looks like he could play baseball, any sport. He's just great health. But his golf game has been ruined. I mean, like 15 more um, strokes than he could do before. He was evidently a very, very good golfer. Yeah. And when you when you have the hip replacement and you sit Indian style, you can't push your knee down because it could pop the metal ball out of the cup. Because you have you have the femur with the ball and you have a, a fabricated cup. Yeah. And if you rotate it, it can pop. Oh. Right. So so you can't do certain things with it. You can stretch it to a certain degree, then you can't. So 
on this night that we're doing prayer, he's getting ministry. And I just turned around and I pointed to him. I said, your, your hip's going to get really hot right now. And he said, yeah, it's burning up. And that was it. And they, whoever was there kept praying for him. So the next morning I asked for testimonies. So he sits on the stage and he goes Indian style and he pushes his leg down all the way to the ground. Nothing happens. Then he stands up on a stage that is probably 24 to 32 inches off the ground. It was either three or four steps off the ground. And he jumps off the stage, one leg up in the air, onto the leg with the hip replacement. And, and, um, <clears throat> and he's fine. So I go back there. I'm invited back to that church and back a year and a half later. And I had forgotten to get a testimony. I'm really bad getting testimonies. And uh, he came over to me. He goes, Phil, I got to tell you a story. I said, sure. He goes, you know, a year after I had the healing. Well, first of all, he was very excited that his golf game was back. Like that was that was <laughs> his favorite. Most, yeah, you know, he was a competitor. He, he beat his friend that he used to beat all the time and couldn't beat after the hip replacement. Only beat him again. So that that was like that was worth the price of admission for him. But um, he tells me he goes, I went to Hawaii, and I went came back from Hawaii, and I went through the metal detectors, and I completely forgot to tell them that I had a titanium hip because you're supposed to do that if you have metal in your body. And yeah. the alarms didn't go off. So he said, I, my son was in, um, was in the Louisiana State Wrestling Championship. And then when they went through, they had metal detectors to make sure nobody was bringing weapons in. Yeah. And they scanned his hip and nothing happened. He goes, it's not setting off metal detectors anymore. So I'm not gonna say that he's got bone and not metal, but what I will say is if he still has metal, it's not being picked up as metal for whatever that's worth. I don't try to rationalize. I don't try to theologize it. You know, it just is what it is. I'd and be, we've seen all sorts of stuff like that. I'd be curious if any of those guys could get like him could get an x-ray to confirm. Yeah. I don't think he cares because his life is normal again. Right. So he has no pain. He's got no restrictions. He's traveling without you know, any issues. And, and this was, like I said, this was a year and a half apart. So there's plenty of time to lose the healing, so to speak, because that's a whole other story. But then I saw him again about a year and a half after that, after that so three years later, and it's still, you know, he's still good. What I realized in that moment is that God wants to do it more than we even think he, we want to do it. Yeah. Like he wants to partner with us. He just can't wait for us to be willing to step out and risk out and, and just be willing to look foolish for a while. Cause you're going to pray for people and, and maybe nothing's going to happen. Or maybe you're going to see like a crazy miracle. And then the next 50 times you pray, nothing, you know, and, and our natural tendency is to think what's wrong with me. I don't have enough faith. And we try to reason around it. But I think sometimes it's God just saying to us, are you going to be tenacious? Yeah. Are you going to go after this? Are you going to be obedient and just not quit? And if you don't quit, I'll say this to all your people. Yeah. My love, I know, I know quite a few of them. Um, and you've got great people. It's not rocket science. And you can't care about your reputation. And you can't care about getting it right. It's just good to be obedient. And as you do that, um, you're going to 
you're going to see things happen. So sometimes the prayer is a process. You know, you pray for them and you we're looking for something immediate, but there's a process sometimes to the healing. Sometimes the process is a day or two. Sometimes it could be weeks or months even. Our job isn't to, to evaluate the success of our prayer. Our job is just to pray, right? And the result is, is up to the Lord. He wants to make his son's name famous. He wants his son known. You know, what, would it, what good would it be if we took all this stuff and we put it in a bag and put it in the back of a closet and did nothing? There's no glory to God for, in that. You know, so our desire to glorify him needs to be greater than our fear of what we might look like. And so you asked before, you know, what would be the things I would tell your people? I would tell them not to be lazy Christians, number one, to be students of the word. And pardon me, Rich, and not students of Rich Andrews or Phil Urena. Mm. You know, when, when they get before Jesus, and he says, well, why do you believe this or that? They're them saying, well, Phil taught me this or Rich taught me that isn't going to cut it. They're responsible for their choices. So, but the, the hard part is stepping through the barriers, the fear, you know, worried about what we look like. You know, and in this crazy world today, who's so desperate for light and love and truth, what do we care what we look like? Because the world is desperate for what we have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't want to come before Jesus and him say, you know, I had so many wonderful things I wanted to do with you. You know, you, know, you would have walked on water if you paid attention to me, because when you were at this lake, there was somebody on the other side that I wanted you to minister to. And I would have had you walk on the water, but you didn't go after it. You didn't believe and you missed it. And he's not going to be like mad at us. We're going to say, son, I have so much more for you. I don't want to hear that. I don't know about you. I don't want to hear that. Would you mind just praying a blessing over all who are listening, those who are in a church community, and perhaps even others who attend? Yeah, sure. More. Yeah. So, Lord, I just thank you for the Conshohocken Vineyard, Lord. I thank you for the leadership of Rich and Jess. They are gold, Lord. And I know that um, Rich carries this beautiful balance of wisdom and the practicality of things and yet a hunger for the spirit and the things of the spirit and Jess, the same thing. She's fiery and she loves the, the power of, of God moving through people, Lord. So father, I just lift up this community. I play, I pray, I pray father God that you would begin to give them a Holy spirit discomfort in the complacency of life that they would literally get tired of being complacent in their faith and complacent in their actions, that you would begin to stir up in them the gifts and the calling of God, because every single child of God was made for purpose and with a plan and for good works prepared for them from before time began. Lord, that's what your word tells us. And Lord, I pray that not one of them would miss the opportunity to see your glory released through their lives changing their, their street they live on, changing the neighborhood they live in, changing the workplace where they work, the grocery store where they shop. Lord God, to shift the atmospheres in that area to bring the kingdom of God and the glory of the kingdom to bear in that region of Pennsylvania and New Jersey, Lord God. 
So Lord, you stir up in them a holy agitation to want to see more. And Lord, you bring healing to the identity areas, the places where they feel insufficient, insignificant, Lord, uh, diminished, where they've been unseen and unheard. Would you bring healing to those places, Lord? Would you tear down strongholds and release to them the power to step through fear, which is faith, God, which is just simply an act of faith. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is an action to step out on the water, trusting that you'll move, God, that you would give them that kind of, of um, literally a Holy Spirit angst in them, that they must have more, that they can't stand the status quo anymore, that they want to see the kingdom of God break through uh, in, in their lives, through their lives, to those all around them, Lord. So I pray that, Lord, there would be an increase Sunday to Sunday, from glory to glory to ever-increasing glory, as they gather on Sundays, a hunger for more of you, a revelation of who you are and who they are as yours, Lord God, and an impartation of power to take what you're going to do on Sundays and carry it all week with them, Lord. So I pray that Sundays at the Conshohocken Vineyard, whether they're meeting outside or inside, that it would be like they're coming up to a gas station and their tanks are getting refueled, not with regular car fuel, but with jet fuel, God, stuff that's going to take them up off the ground, take them out of the ordinary into the extraordinary because they serve an extraordinary God. Lord, that, that every Sunday there'd be an increase in, in the temperature of the room, Holy Spirit-wise, God, that it would literally get hotter and hotter, and that they would begin to get testimonies trickling in, God, that would eventually become a flood that glorifies the name of Jesus uh, through that church, but even more importantly, God, through the region. Lord, just your desire for your family be glorified. Let, let the Vineyard Conshohocken be a catalyst in the whole region to see your supernatural power, both the declaration and proclamation of the word with wisdom, with truth, with truth and with depth, but also the demonstration of the power of the kingdom. We absolutely today need both, Lord God. So would you do that, Lord Jesus? Amen.